Ah, welcome to Preach Can Preach. We are the prophets. Here another episode of another sermon. Here, my boy Rashad, man. What's going on? What's happening, bro? How you doing, bro? Doing good, doing good. No, no questions asked, man. Uh, wherever you listen at, 12 Ounce Sports, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Um, we got got a good game plan for you, man. Um, we won the craziest wild card weekends I can ever remember. Um, best one ever, man. Hey, all four games were very competitive. Had you on the edge of your seat at all times. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into them all um, in, in a minute. But uh, first, big draft news. Tua declared for the NFL draft. It was questions that he may or may not come out because, just because of the hip injury. And you know, you never know how the hip was going to perform. And I think they, they was going to have some kind of insurance policy if he was to go back to school. But he did, in fact, declare – and that just, you know, that pushed every quarterback. It kept him where he was at because if, if he went back to school, teams would have panicked on quarterbacks and we would have seen guys take bad, bad chances. But now that two was there, are you pretty sure that two was what your quarterback two um, for this drive right behind Joe Burrow? So uh, what are your thoughts about two? Uh, he's still a top five prospect, injured or not. I wouldn't have to make QB early. If I'm a team like the Dolphins, I would just kind of, just patch up my position for another year or so and see what happens next year. It's not like a dire need, really, because uh, he does have an injury history. But I kind of knew, I mean, there's no way he was going to wait till next year. It's just too risky. Even with insurance policy, you're, the lower you go in the draft or the more, you know, you just, you're, you're just risking losing $20 million. It's life-changing money either way it goes. So not surprised he declared. Most of his teammates declared. So not surprising that he did as well. Yeah, you know uh... – Guys, like from my mock draft 1.0, you can check that out on preachcarepreach.com. Um, I had I had Leatherwood going first round. He decided to go back. Dylan Moses was one of the best um, ranking linebackers. He went back. He had Devonta Smith, his teammate receiver. He went back. Uh, but you saw Judy and you saw Ruz declare. But, yeah, you're right. Tua had to go. It really was no other options. I mean, oh, what were you going to do? Go back to school and – and rehab, why would you, you it's, it's better to rehab in an NFL facility than to in, in the college facility. So, um, I can't agree with you though. I think, I think the Dolphins have to take him. I, I, I think he's a game changing quarterback. Um, you know, you can't really teach accuracy. I mean, you can fix it, but guys who got it, they got it. And, you know, outside of the injuries, that, that's really my only problem with them is the injuries. Yeah, it's just risky. I mean, he's going to still rehab probably at Alabama before he graduates, so he'll get a chance to finish up his classes, graduate, and, of course, start training with some some pro guys, stuff like that. So it's not a bad decision either way, but as far as just his injury history, if I'm drafting him, I would be concerned because he's had lower extremity injuries already. He's normally a mobile guy, so with the way DNs are hitting guys, and, I mean, the QBs get protected, but with the way – just the DNs can just lay you out, you know, from a, a strip sack or you get rolled up by one of your offensive linemen, something like that. It, it's just risky, man. I mean, he's a, he's a great player, but it's just so risky. I'd rather avoid that risk. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see where it goes. I think a lot of teams are going to try to trade up to that Detroit Lions pick. 
and three to make to make a move for Tua because the class, in my opinion, does not get good. Whether that's Jordan Love and the Herberts of the world, I, I think is after after Burrow and after Tua is a drop off. Yeah, if any team does trade up, it should be a team that's already kind of ready to compete. Like I can see Carolina maybe trading up. That would be smart for them. You move on from Cam, you get a you get a younger player on a rookie deal. You don't have to pay somebody twenty, thirty million dollars. So if, if somebody does move up, somebody like that or the Raiders, that's fine. But anybody else, I wouldn't see why you would move up because I mean I think the Chargers could be in play for like Brady or Herbert, so they shouldn't have to move up. Uh, let's move on to a team that's won't draft a quarterback but needs to sign their quarterback, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. They have finally found their head coach of the future, and that's Mike McCarthy, the former Green Bay Packers and also Super Bowl champion. Um, your thoughts on the initial hire? Because when we we seen him, uh, had an interview for two days in a row. They brought Marvin Lewis in. Uh, for He had two days of interviews, but then I heard that Jared, he stayed the night at Jerry Jones' house. So, um, thoughts on Mike McCarthy going to the Cowboys? Oh, slumber, slumber party <laughs> having that boy. Well, I mean, it's a it's a good hire. They couldn't have done any better. They prefer somebody, somebody with experience. So, what route could you really go? Marvin Lewis, Josh McDaniel, short tenure in Denver. So, I mean, this is the best you could do, and I think it's the best hire because it's a good roster. He can walk right in, win right away. I mean, they should win no less than 10, 11 games every year. All you have to do is get Dak on the contract. He already made a hire for his D.C. position, defensive coordinator. So they're already off to a high start. Just get Dak on the contract, figure out the thing with Amari Cooper. And you should be – I mean, you arguably have the best coach now and probably the best QB in the division. Um, Dak or Wentz, whichever way you lean. So why not? You know, this should be a good job for him, and he should be able to win 10 games, cover division titles, and – at least at some point, if you give him a 10-year run, you can Jason Garrett, at least make a Super Bowl. I know his initial deal is for five years, but he should be able to at least make a, a NFC championship at least, you know, because they haven't mm-hmm. been even that far since 1995. I mean, right. they've been always <laughs> getting knocked out division around. So, I mean, I don't think the barometer of success should be he has to win a Super Bowl just because y'all haven't been there in 20-something years. So why does all the pressure need to fall on him? Yeah, yeah. As, so as long as he – wins a couple division titles and at least makes one Super Bowl appearance. If you give him that four, five to ten years, I think that's a successful hire. I mean, it's not much you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. If the pressure is a Super Bowl, that's already off to a wrong start. And for anybody to put that pressure on him, you know, it's just strictly is it's, it's wrong. I mean, he's coming in. I mean, the last few years he has admitted that you know his offense was stale and stuff like that. And he has improved. I think he said he's going to hire a panel of like 10 to 14 people in the analytics side of the world. And, you know, as you've seen, the football, the football analysis right now is going to that direction. You know, whether that's going forward on fourth down and one, you see the, like the Ravens' success right now. So we'll, we'll see if with that, does they have better coaching situations? Because that was a whole problem with Jason Garrett was he, in, in the moments, he made the wrong decision. Well, whether, you know, Instead of kicking this field goal, let's go for I got Zeke, I got Zeke as, as a running back, fourth and one with the best offensive line, arguably in football. Let's run the ball. Instead, he decides to kick a field goal. Oh, we missed a field goal. Now we have no points on the board. So it, it, it's, it's a lot of things that Jason Garrett did did wrong. I mean, he had a pretty successful well, he had a successful tenure. I mean, he didn't he didn't win a Super Bowl, didn't go to a championship game like you mentioned. But you know, Cowboys they rarely had a bad season. 
um, with the talent they have. They need that coach to take them to the next level. And I believe Mike McCarthy is that guy. Yeah, he should definitely step in, win some major games for him. Um, of course, it's going to be criticism that comes with the job just because it is the America's team, the biggest job in the NFL, no matter who has it. So he's right. going to take he's going to take some heat. Um, but as long as he improves upon his prior mistakes of with Green Bay, he never really developed a running game. So that's going to be something. You got Zeke now, so there's no excuse to not run the ball. Um, at, at times with Aaron Rodgers, it was Rodgers or bust because mm-hmm. you didn't really have good defenses. Now you have a stout defense or at least a top 15-ish defense. So some of the things that were his pitfalls early in Green Bay shouldn't be in place now. So he should be able to overcome those questions just off pure talent alone of the roster. Yeah, and, and that's the thing people have to realize. Like they say, you know, that's them and stuff, but it's like the GM would not go out and sign for ages. You see what, what the new GM for the Green Bay Packers has done. Soon they come in, he brings the Darius and Preston Smith, and boom, you know, draft. Uh, I think he helped draft the uh, corner Jerry Alexander. Like now, all of a sudden, like this Packers defense is better than what it was, and you know, he's they still they still reluctant on the uh, on the on the receiver side to help Devontae Adams, but they free Aaron Jones. We've been saying how long we've we been saying free Aaron Jones through two or three years. So, Mike McCarthy. Now, I guess a lot of people want to say like, will he run the ball because he that's not, he didn't want to do that in Green Bay. And I, I always thought that maybe that was because of Rodgers. Like, that, I think Rodgers at that time was, like, peak Rodgers. And we, we did the research how how great he was for that stretch where, he, you know, he was 30 touchdowns, five picks. Like, he was a, he was on the tear. So, we always take the ball out of his hands. So, but with Zeke and Dak, I think he knows the, the roster he got. He knows he can't throw the ball four times with Dak, uh, with Dak Prescott. But if I run the ball with 20 times with Zeke, it's a good chance we win the game. So, I, I feel like he has a GM that's going to make splashes. Jerry Jones is not going to stay stagnant. He's going to make moves that he needs. And if McCarthy comes to him and say, hey, I need this, I need this, I don't see why Jerry Jones wouldn't be like, okay, I got you, like, and, and pay for what he needs or get what he needs because he Jerry Jones want to win badly. So if Mike McCarthy said this right here will help me win, he's going to do it. Yeah, Jerry should just step back, take the reins off. Like, don't don't be a micromanager. I mean, even when it comes to any job in the corporate world or any organization, I think everybody agrees they hate micromanagers. So as long as Jerry oh, yeah. takes, a, as long as he takes a step back, like, all right, look, we we hired you. I'm trusting you. I'm gonna give you the reins, give you whatever you need to be successful, and I'll just take a step back. Like, as long as he's not trying to be micromanager and still going out here doing all these crazy press conferences, even though he doesn't ever. He never really says anything too outlandish. It's just like you're the GM, you're the owner. Like you don't need to be doing press conferences, all that kind of stuff, man. Just fall back, let the coach do all the media stuff, do your radio show once a week, twice a week, whatever, and be done with it. Right, exactly. Um, it. So what 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 is the what is the expectations that you have for the Cowboys amid, you know, right? I mean, obviously you can't do too much because you don't know about Cooper, we don't know about Dak, but assume they all come back. Win the division is, I mean, win the division easily is it win the division kind of how, how this year, where it's one game in and you're in or you're out. So, what kind, of, what kind of expectation do you see? As long as they win the division, that's that should be like just the bare minimum. I mean, that's that should just be status quo win the division because you have arguably the best quarterback, I would say the best coach, and the best roster. Eagles roster yeah. is banged up, they're gonna make changes. Uh, Giants, no defense. They're going to have to put some things together, and they don't have a coach yet. Redskins just hot Rivera, but 
Haskins is a project at the time. Um, he still has to figure out some things offensively and defensively himself. So there's no reason the Cowboys shouldn't win the division. At least at least 10 wins, get a division, top four seed guaranteed because you won a division. And the playoffs depends upon what matchup you have. Sometimes you can be the three seed and get a bad matchup, four seed get a bad matchup. So at least just make the playoffs. And like I said, as long as during his tenure, you make at least one Super Bowl appearance, I would consider it a, a success. Even just making one or two NFC championships, that's good because in the last 20 years, 20 plus years, you have not made it past a division around. So it's not Super Bowl or bust for me. Just advance further than you've been going previously. Right. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. When you have when you have the best roster, and I mean Doug Peterson is they both are Super Bowl Super Bowl winning head coach. So at least they both had that box checked. So you can debate who's better. Uh, yeah, like you said, you can debate who's better between Dak. I do know Dak is going to be there. We'll talk about Wentz health as, as later on down the show, but. Yeah, I know Dak. I, I got Zeke. It's it's a lot of stars. So, what, ironically, with the helmet on the side, so there's a lot of stars down there. My brother, like you said, come right in, win ten games. Should be should be a piece of cake. Yeah, anything less than double digits, it's it's starting off on a bad note. But Jason Garrett's been getting double digit wins, alternating with a few eight and eight wins. But McCarthy should be able to get on a you know a consecutive ten win streak, double digit win streak. Similar to how you did with Green Bay when they had their good rosters. All right, so now we're going to go into our wild card recap. And we talked, like I said, mentioned earlier, crazy wild card weekend, two overtime games. The other the other games came down to the wire. Um, so I'm, let's, let's get in right into it. I'm kind of – I'm a little sad, man. My, my boys went home finally. Um, my surprise team, the Buffalo Bills, went home, had a 16-point lead. And Deshaun Watson took over in the second half. And we, we talked about it last week, about the things that needed to happen in this game. Your, your X-Factor was Will Fuller. He did not play. And you saw right then why he was X-Factor. You, you had him there because they didn't have that deep threat. Kenny Steele's is a lesser version of that. And, you know, I don't expect Kenny Steele to go out there and dominate, you know, uh, wh- whether Will Fuller there or not. So you saw the, you saw the struggles that, that the Texas offense had early in the game. And, you know, everybody wanted to put that on Bill O'Brien early. But, you know, you see in the second half, changes were made. And then my ex-factor, David Singletary, he balled out. I mean, when you don't have that many playmakers, you need somebody to step up. Receiving game and running game. Singletary put the Buffalo Bills on his back, so, so, so to speak. And um, it was it was a good game. I mean, I, 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 thought the, I thought down the stretch, going into this game, I thought Sherman, Sean McDermott was going to run circles around Bill O'Brien when it comes to coaching. Especially when you get the offense versus defensive-minded coaches, like I think those are the best matches to me. Um, so when when Sean McDermott had his questionable plays in the second half, like going forward on fourth and seems like forever, hey, you know a lot of these things he could have changed the game, but he put the ball in the Sean Watson hands, and that's what you can't do. Yeah, the Texans they did what they had to do in the second half. The first half didn't start off so hot, you know. Whether you want to blame it on coaching or whatever i think it was just the offense wasn't executing the plays were there they just weren't executing so i mean the watson got sacked seven times so you know of course his old line has been his biggest question his entire career so he didn't have the old line protection at certain points uh d hop wasn't getting the ball at certain points so it's only so much you can do when your two best players on offense aren't connecting so at that point second half things start to change 
with no Will Fuller in the first half, you didn't have that other weapon to go to. You didn't have somebody who could stretch the field. But in the second half, all that changed. I thought the play calling was still on the same level. It was just instead of a missed throw or not seeing the open guy, you start to hit the open guy. You start to run for, you know, first downs or get a few yards to make it for shorter second, third down. So that's really all I thought that changed. And, of course, you know, in, in OT, Watson made the crazy play. He survived that, that crazy hit and made the throw, and that led to the Fairburn field goal. But for the most part, I thought Texans kept the same game plan. They didn't really do anything spectacular. The Bills just didn't close them out. You kept kicking field goals instead of getting touchdowns to go ahead and put them away. So you alluded to, you know, Deshaun Watson breaking that sack and the changes that that you're saying they really didn't make, you know, it didn't see no, see no difference in first half versus second half. So I asked this question, just, was it all Deshaun Watson heroics and making all these great but spectacular plays? Of course, he made that one with the sack. Or does can Bill O'Brien get credit, or are we still going to say that he's the worst coach when they lose, and then when they win, Deshaun Watson the best quarterback in the league? That's typically how it goes, though, with any QB or coach. Whenever the Cowboys win, oh, Dak did so great. Then when they lost, oh, Jason Garrett, he's not the guy. He's blowing it. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Oh, Watson made this miraculous throw. Oh, he just he he survived this miraculous hit. But then the first half, you got people like Booger McFarlane killing Bill O'Brien for play calling. <laughs> I mean, it's like, dude, you're you're on TV talking about I would I would run the ball and kick it and then spike it. You're like they on third down. How you don't do all that, bro? What you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just this 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 the game, man. Whenever a coach does good. The players don't get the credit, and then whenever things go right, you know, the, the player gets the credit when things go right, coach gets when things go wrong. And then when you have a superstar like, you know, Deshaun Watson, man, double called in Michael Jordan. When you have a guy like that, <laughs> he, he has to get the credit. But I think Bill O'Brien deserves a good say so as well because without your speech to down the field, your, your, your deep threat, you still found ways to adjust the second half and got executed to get the job done. Yeah, man. Uh, somebody we gotta talk about Josh Allen, like the lateral. What what, what was that? <laughs> what, what was that lateral? Uh, what was that play on for, on third down when he took a sack for like twenty some yards? Like he was doing so great in the first half. I was like, okay, Josh Allen, you might do this in your first in your first playoff game. You you looking real good. You've come out the drive looking good. And to be honest, I think the offensive coordinator just ran out of things to do because. He don't have, he don't have that many playmakers. He can't he can't use a Deshaun Watson or D Hop to do something crazy, something that is unexpected. Like Buffalo Bills offense is not it hasn't they've been predictable all year. They're gonna run the ball. Josh Allen gonna run this way, run this way. And you know what you're gonna get from a deep shot, deep shot. Like it's always the same thing. So it's, to me, it's kind of like okay, can we can we drop enough plays to to out to hold off on these guys and. That's why I don't like all these field goals teams be kicking. Like, you up 16-0, but you could have been up, you know, 21-0. You could have 24-0, like, whatever it was. You could you, you need you need to put the your foot on people's necks because you let guys like Deshaun Watson hang around. You're going to be in trouble. No, that's just the way it goes. You know, they've been they've, – I'm not going to kill the Buffalo Bills because – Every game they won this year, how they win it? Score points, field goals. You might have got a rushing touchdown or two here or there. It got you to the playoffs. 
So I didn't expect that to change come playoff time, and that's just their game plan. This is what they do. They run the ball, grind the clock. You ask Josh Allen to make a few throws with his arm with playmakers being limited. So that's just their game. And unfortunately, in the second half, J.J. Watt made a play. Deshaun Watson made a few. D. Hop started to get open a little bit. And that's just how it went. I mean, the Bills had the chances to still finish it in regulation. I mean, like you said, Josh Allen with that that lateral pass. I mean, there was just a guy trying to do too much. Cause I think oh, yeah. I think the first half he was in his comfort zone. They had the lead, so he was feeling confident. But in the second half, when that that pressure starts to mount, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he couldn't handle it. It's just sometimes you get in your head. I need to go ahead and make this heroic play so we can go ahead and try to close them out. I mean. If it worked out, it would have been smart because it's like, oh, well, two guys are going to tackle you, you're lateral back. Now your guy's just streaking down the sideline. So it could have worked out, but at the same time, it's just in that spot in the game, it's just too dangerous. Yeah. He also got that fumble he had against uh, after the Texans had scored. Then he fumbled, got the ball right back. Like it was, it was just everything happened and collapsed so fast because they was up 16 0. I remember watching the game, I was like, man, they really about to shut out the Houston Texans, like Deshaun Watson, D Hop. And as soon as I said that, boom, 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 tie game. And, you know, all that can change in the instance. And the, if, you, if you're the Bills, you got to feel like you blew this game more than the Texans, like, took it. it I mean, I know it's more cliche to say uh, the team won and the team lost it. But when you go home and you, in, the, in the night, you got to say, man, we had these guys on the ropes, on the road, and we let them off the hook. I don't think they lost it. It's just a matter of. You let a great QB hang around, and he made a great play, and that's just kind of how it went. Because every game the Bills have won, it's been the same way. Like, even the New England games where they did lose those, they were close, you know, like 17-14, 17-13 type of game. So, their defense is designed to keep them in games, and their offense is designed to score points but not blow you out. So, the Texans getting behind, it was only a matter of time before, like, they got some points because – the Sean's just too good to get shut out. I mean, outside of that Ravens game this year, they scored a good amount of points most games. That game in, I think, Denver, which was an outlier as well. So they score points. It's just a matter of can your defense stop them enough times to still get the win. Yeah, and I, I said last week that Josh Allen needed needed to play mistake-free football, and I just think the him, even even just one play, the the fumble alone, like that's just that's just enough to beat you because. Even on the Sean Watt, I mean, even on uh, JJ Watt sack, they still got three points versus, you know, versus uh, a fumble that you now you don't have the ball. Now the, it's in Texas side of the field and it's too easy for them to get get points. So I I think I think they, they have to go back and Sean McDermott has to look at himself and like, okay, what can we do to make take this next step? Because you know when we get into the next game and talk about how close they are to the Patriots and you know can you can you keep this longevity up can you keep can you be consistently get 10 wins every year and be be in the playoffs so that that that's something that the Bills have to, have to answer themselves and hopefully Josh Allen can be better because I like him and I I want him to see him succeed but I've always known that you know he can't you he, I don't think he can be your best player he can't be your only playmaker on your team but I've been saying that since we won so let's move on to the next game man and uh the Patriots the Patriots did lose. Uh, it was a good game. I mean, it, it, if you don't like a lot of points, hey, it is what it is. But we knew what this team was, the Patriots. Uh, we, we talked about on the Chris, Christmas gifts. We said that the Patriots – I said that they need to, needed a lead to win the game. 
and they almost had it. And that was, I think that was the change of point in the game was the second quarter, right before halftime on the goal line. They used two timeouts before halftime and still could not get in. And what, what shocked me was they didn't throw the ball one time. And, you know, they ended up taking three points. And that was, and that was, you know, that would have swung the game because they, I, they, I, I believe the Patriots got the ball second half, if I'm not mistaken. But um, still, you would have been up what ten points at the time, and that would have swung the game around. I don't think so. I just think, well, of course, points would swing the game around, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where, whenever, whenever you get down to the red zones, or especially like inside the five. It's almost paramount to go ahead and punch it in as a touchdown. The Patriots got down there twice, then they settled for two field goals. So that's why it ended up being 14-13 at the half. So that that itself changes everything because if the Patriots would have scored two touchdowns, that would have put way more pressure on the Titans to score points too. Because at the time, the Titans weren't executing like that. I mean, he right. was running. He was running the ball like crazy. But Tannehill for the game only finished with. 15 throws, eight, nine completions. So they had made up their mind from the get-go. You're not going to beat us with the pass, any RPOs or anything like that. You're going to have to run the ball. It's going to be a short game. And if you can, beat us running the ball, which is what they ultimately end up doing. But there were both momentum swings on both sides. Like as far as like the end and a half, Brady threw one. Ryan could have picked it off. And the other Mm -hmm. been an easy, easy pick six. And then now you could have went to the half up potentially 21-13 and get the ball back coming out of the second half. So the, the Titans would have had chances to, to really blow them out. And New England, on the same respect, if they would have got two touchdowns instead of two field goals, they would have been putting pressure on the Titans. So it goes both ways. So I think the game kind of played out how it played out. Both teams had a shot up until the very, very end. And, I mean, kind of what I said from the, the same uh, episode was, the Patriots needed some oven mitts because on their, their most important drive, Edelman dropped a crucial pass, and that's kind of what did them in, along with, of course, Rabel burning some clock with the the, the 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 penalties on purpose pretty much. So by taking those penalties on purpose, you burn some clock, and then when they did punt it, you know, they had everybody trying to block it, so now the ball just rolls on down to the one because Edelman was already up, and that's really what did it. Yeah, it- I want to talk about Bill Belichick's strategy to this game. You mentioned about, you know, the receivers for the for the Titans were capped. I mean, they couldn't do anything. It, it's like the the Patriots defense were every, everywhere. AJ Brown went. Oh, I, I know, I know you're out already. Everywhere Corey Davis was, I'm already there too. Like I feel like the Patriots defense, they did what they had to do. The game plan like was to let Derrick Henry run, and we're not. Like you said we're not going. We're not going to let you beat us with the pass. And I think. The Patriots win this game very easily if you the, what, what you said if the Patriots score touchdowns because now you have you have to pass the ball you have to get I mean you don't have to but you you can't just run the ball 100 percent of the time which the Titans end up doing and you you can you you have to pass the ball and who knows Tannehill does not have good success in New, in Foxborough in New England uh, when he was in Miami so you're talking about somebody who could have been seeing ghosts first of all had to take chances and. Hoping his hoping his guys you know make the plays and you know when you talk about AJ Brown versus the vet Stephon Gilmore who you think going to win that battle most times or not and the, the the game plan I thought the game plan was perfect and I know everybody want to hop on like Bill Belichick about they can't stop the run first of all Derrick Henry leads the league in rushing that, that's one thing 
Tennessee, that's their identity is to run the ball. So to to let, let them do their strength and cut, completely cut off the pass because they, they couldn't do that at all because that's what Tennessee was – that's why we were so hype on Tennessee this year and Tannehill in particular because not only was Derrick Henry hitting you with a 50-yard touchdown, Tannehill was throwing two 50-yard touchdown passes in the same game. And teams like that, they can come on – they can like all of a sudden it's a you know close game, blowout. And then I think the Patriots were able to stay in this game because of that, because they, they were not letting them hit, hit them with deep passes across the field. You made them one-dimensional. And if only you could have kept the lead or had or got the touchdown that you needed, you walk away with this and nobody have any questions about what the Patriots are doing. Yeah, I mean, they limited Tannehill, limited receivers, but when it all when they needed him, Tannehill came through. He made out of what 15 throws, he made two good ones that, that were really essential. The touchdown, and then in the fourth quarter, they had a Outbreaking route to the sideline that was key to keep a fourth to keep a drive going from going to fourth down. So he made two great throws, and then he ultimately ran for like a I think like a third and two, third and three. He made a good scramble to get a first down as well to keep a drive going. So he was limited, but there was the whole game plan limit what he can do. But he made three good plays when he needed to, and Henry didn't risk with this with 32, 33 carries. Yeah, man, you talking about monster day, one hundred eighty four yards. I mean, it, it's it's hard tackling that man. Like that man, that man's a problem, man. You know our philosophy about paying paying running backs. You know for for the Titans, I I just I just don't see any reason why you would not do that. You have to pay Derrick Henry. I I feel like that's the way your team has to go. I know they want to lock up Tannehill long term, but you got to think of what's the most important. And I don't, I don't know if if they don't have Derrick Henry, even if they draft someone in the offseason, like. Can can they find somebody who who's just just that special for for size, uh, speed, able to take a touchdown to the house at any given moment? And he, you you always when you as a linebacker, you know, or a corner or a safety, you start questioning yourself: Do I really want to hit this guy? Do I really want to tackle him? And that's you know that's his calling card. You know, come that fourth quarter, are you going to stop me? You know, that's what made Adrian Peterson so fa- famous. He was all day like. Come the fourth quarter, I'm I'm st- I'm still at 100, percent and you over here at 60, 60 to 50, and you know I think this the strategy was good in my opinion for Bill Belichick, but you know once it started wearing down, wearing down, and the offense couldn't take the lead and and or you know at least, at least put some pressure on Tennessee to make them pass the ball more, it just it just what it was, and their hand just took over. Yeah, he's just the RB that gets stronger as the game goes on. The Patriots tried using their same defense from the Super Bowl, and it it really worked. I, I can't say it didn't work. It really worked. You limit the pass, um, make, make the running back beat you, and that's kind of what Tennessee did. They just kept running the ball with Henry, taking that play clock down as low as possible, and bleeding the clock. Yeah, and I think if that's, if that's your game plan going in, you say, if if I lose because of this and you lost because of it, you got you just got to take it out of this because, I mean, that that what you had going into um, I want to ask you though. So, should should what should the Patriots do this offseason with Tom Brady? Um, I have a I have a pretty strong take on it, but I want I want to hear you first about what what should they do? What should the Patriots want to do, and then what should Tom Brady want to do? If if it's not the same thing. Well, I mean, it's really it's a tough but easy decision for both sides because similar to what the Saints are doing with Drew Brees, he's going to be a free agent. You kind of it's kind of like, do you want to? 
hold on for to your stop gap for one or two more years and then just risk being terrible once they retire or do you want to try to go ahead and find a succession plan so for tom brady i think he's probably should stay just because it's almost like his second home now i mean it is home you've been there 20 something years you're familiar with the coaching the ownership um but at the same time they would have to promise you that i'm going to get some weapons here for you so you can compete next year and have a chance but uh there's some rumors floating around that he kind of may want to leave um if he did leave i could i could maybe see charges but at the same time i could see a few other teams i could see maybe they're being with the interest in josh mcdaniels i could see that being like a some trade picks of Browns swap with the patriots of like hey all right y'all can get josh we get some picks and take another receiver or it could be a thing where mcdaniels wants brady to come along with them as his partner so it's like a Brady McDaniels trade for Baker and a pick for compensation for the coaching thing. So I could see some weird stuff happening if a team like that was to get involved. But ultimately, I think Brady should just stay. It's the it's the safest thing. Finish your legacy with one team. If Belichick will pay you the money, um, but I think Robert Kraft is the only person that can maybe veto anything Belichick does. So he could kind of push the narrative of we're going to pay Brady and he stays here for one or two more years. See. I'm I'm looking at history, and history tells me that one, the Patriots should move on. And when you th- when you think of what what Tom Brady is, he is the Patriots. That just that's just what it is. Because I right, look at this, Peyton Manning, he's a Colt, like that's what he is. But he played for the Broncos. Joe Montana, he's a he's a 49er, but he played for the Chiefs. Michael Vick is a Falcon, but he played for the Eagles. And so far, McNabb, you know, Eagles, but played for different other teams. Like it's I don't I don't think it's a bad idea. For the Patriots or Tom Brady to, you know, have have that divorce and and to be honest, I mean, he, he's forty two years old, and he is rumored that he said he's not going to take a hometown hometown discount. So what does that mean? What what is his range? So I'm thinking twenty five to thirty. Like you know, what he's really for what he what he took did like less in the past. Like he really should get like thirty to forty. You know, obviously it's not realistic, but um, if 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 they want to help him and improve weapons, I don't see how you can, how you can also keep him and pay him because, you know, you know as I know, what's going to happen to the defense next year? It's not going to be as good as it is this year. Like they're going to take us whether whatever the situation is, they're going to take a step back. Whether, you know, Gilmore might not be the best corner, he might go to the number three best corner. You know, is it might be something small, but they're not going to be as good as they were this year. They're not going to block punts every game. They're not going to have pick sixes all the time. So they're gonna take a step back. Okay, so now we have to we have to make up for it. So if Tom Brady comes back, he's a year older. I don't think he really has that many fault like problems with him as far as mechanics and armstrong. I think he still got all that. I think he got of course he got the brain with it. But how can how can you pay him and you keep and you add weapons? Like one weapon will not is not gonna do it. Um like just adding Tony Brown doesn't make this team that much better. I mean, it doesn't make the team better, but I don't think that's that's the needle that's going to make say, hey, we we had a sorry offense who who couldn't score over fourteen points. Now we can get thirty. I, I don't I don't I don't see Tony Brown making that much gap. So if you add Tony Brown, let's say for example, and then you bring another somebody else, how do you have the money to to give him the weapons you need because you still haven't found that tight end that you missed when you had Gronk. And you got guys like Eric Ebron on the market. I think Hunter Henry's on the market. You got guys who can make who can get the contract. So I don't understand. I, I just don't see a way where they can they can all be happy and get the money that they all deserve. 
and him staying there. And Bill Belichick is the guy that he always trades you uh, a year early before it's too late. And this is the perfect situation. Like, he's a free agent. Just let him go because I know you're saying Robert Kraft can come in and, and veto anything, but it's like if, if he does that, it's like to me as Bill Belichick, you're picking Tom Brady over me. And to, and my and I'm I'm coach. I, I'm always gonna say NFL the coaching coaching is more important than more important than the player. And as you can see, the Cowboys roster. You see the Rams roster this year. I guess Sean McVay way fillers out at DC. So apparently he you know he, he didn't work as well, and the Rams suffer. You know, it, it's different things like that. Man, I think the coach is more important. So I don't see how Kraft can can choose Bill Belichick over Tom Brady. I understand what Tom Brady has done for that city, but I think it's time to move on and. Tom Brady, you should want to move on and find you a better situation because why don't you go to a team that has weapons? Like, for example, like you, like you mentioned, the Chargers. Like you're going to have Keenan Allen. You're going to have Mike Williams. You're having guys in their prime while Julian Edelman can't, you know, let the league in drops this year, and he just got paid. So, and he's old. So what, what, what direction is he going in? Well, you can have a Austin Eckler in the backfield who's similar to James White. And well, he's have a legend, a, though. Oh, so exactly. So that even that's my point. So if he comes back, you think you think the Patriots gonna pay James White and go get receivers? No, I'm saying like Eckler, Eckler and Melvin Gordon are both free agents. Oh well, yeah, but I feel like they they okay. Well, yeah. So they they, they probably could bring one back, but I mean, we you you talked about it earlier that Melvin that Melvin Gordon ain't worth what he wants. So he he might not get the money that he actually thinks he deserves, but. It's, but still, I I just feel like you know why would I would rather go to a team that has you know that has weapons for me already than than hoping that the Patriots will get some because I mean outside of Antonio Brown I mean are we talking about AJ Green who's been injured are we talking about Robbie Anderson like how much how much do those guys really you know really change the needle for for us and is one guy enough you know. Now for the Patriots, I mean, to me, it's really not about Brady. It's about Josh McDaniels. Like, if McDaniels stays, of course, Brady's staying. That's his guy. But if McDaniels leaves, that kind of opens the door for other things just because of, I mean, the system is built around Brady and McDaniels. So it kind of depends upon if McDaniels decides to take a coaching job, which he probably shouldn't because the ones that are open really aren't that appealing. You're going to go to the Browns and get fired in two years. You're going to go to Carolina and be, you know, with no QB pretty much unless you draft one. So it's at certain jobs, the Giants, where you're going to be maybe the third or fourth best coach in the division. So I just don't see any of these jobs being that appealing, honestly. So McDaniels may stay one more year, or maybe there's a wink-wink thing of he's the next Patriots coach. I'm not sure. But there's really no ideal scenario for Brady either. Chargers have some free agents. They've had an iffy O-line. You go to the Colts, T.Y. is always hurt. They have the O-line, but it's just you have to go to a new system and get acclimated to that. There's – I mean, there's so many jobs, but it's just like, why? go? You go to Carolina, you have McCaffrey, Moore, and Samuel. But at the same time, Carolina's has had offensive line questions. You don't want to go somewhere where you're going to get beat up when there's – I mean, that's just not good for you when you're 40-something years old. Even this year in New England, he took some hits. So I, when you start evaluating every scenario, it's like – why would I go somewhere else just to get abused? Do I have to learn? I have to learn this or build a report. These guys, if you're not gonna go take the 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 training thing is the hometown thing. So if you're not going to the Chargers or staying in New England, 
I'm, I'm not sure what your best option would be. Yeah, I I just know Bill Belichick. I think that he he knows he wants to get rid of uh, to get rid of Brady. He wanted to get rid of Brady a long time ago. That's why they had that whole rift. But you know, if I think I I like you said, if Daniel stays, Brady gonna want to stay, and Kraft gonna make sure he stays. If he wants to, Kraft will make sure. I'm going to go into the third game, Minnesota Vikings at, at the Saints. Uh, my boys took took the upset, man, and, uh, you know, it, it was a good game. I, I thought that that uh, Mike Zimmer outplayed out, – I mean, outcoached uh, Sean Payton in his matchup. And, uh, you know, with Sean Payton's mismanagement, Drew Brees' turnovers, like, they 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 had some they – had, they had some shortcomings. And uh, I think it's time that we stop, we stop giving Saints this pass. No, I only had two takeaways from the game. It was played evenly for the most part. Um, I know on, on Twitter I was tracking there were 10 game-changing plays, but ultimately the two that stand out the most are before the half. You force a play before the two-minute warning, turns into a turnover. So you should have let the clock run down, but instead you gave Minnesota the ball that led the points. And then in the fourth quarter, Breeze's fumble. So stuff like that. I mean, just mismanaging the clock. Then you let another 30 to 35 seconds bleed off the clock before you even – get the ball back. So just the end of the half and the end of the fourth quarter, clock management by Sean Payton. And, of course, Drew Brees' two turnovers really cost him the game. That's really my main takeaway. Everything else is played pretty even. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think Minnesota had – I think they played a great game as far as, like, stopping their stars. Like, Kamara – I mean, he scored a touchdown, but it's all because of Tasty Hill. Like, got, got him to the one-yard line. Uh, Michael Thomas – they Minnesota forced him to go a certain way. I think Michael Thomas, their 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 system worked because it has it has so many options for him to, to do. Like he go this way, go this way, go this way, and Minnesota forced him only one way. And so he caught the ball. He was getting tackled. I think that you know that was that was pretty brilliant for a team that because when we talked about this, they didn't. We th- you know I thought we had all our everybody healthy, and come to find out, two of our slot corners were out: Mike Hughes and Alexander. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, now how how are we gonna attack? How are we gonna stop Michael Thomas? Because we know <laughs> Roe has been open all year long and Trey Wayne hasn't really been no better. So it's kind of like, man, basically, basically the two corners that's solid out and the, the two starters who've been struggling all season, you don't want them against Michael Thomas. And I mean, of course, seven catches for 70 yards for any receiver, that's great. But this for this historic run that Michael Thomas was on. You, I mean, I know I, I put money on, you know, uh, DraftKings and stuff. I expected Michael Thomas to have 10 for 130, win or lose regardless, you know, because I feel like he was the most unstoppable force on the field for anybody. And come to find out, I mean, Minnesota had a good strategy for it. Um, so that, that was impressive to me. But I'm just glad that Kirk Cousins got this win, most importantly, um, you know, going over time, going down the field, game, uh, winning, winning the game with Kyle Rudolph. I know Saints want to push the narrative about pass interference, but if you're gonna push me and I push you back, I think that cancels each other out. So, um, but I th- I was happy for Kurt, um, you know, because he can't he can't win the big game. So uh, I know I know the guys like Harris Smith and the Adam Thielen was already talking to the team like, hey, we celebrate this for an hour or two, and then back to business because you know last time they did last time they beat the Saints, you know they went to the next game and got obliterated. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, so for for Drew Brees and, and, and Sean Payton, like this this and they won Super Bowl what oh nine, so that's 10, 11 years now. 
And we we criticize Mike McCarthy now for only going to one Super Bowl over Aaron Rodgers. So this 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 how much how much are we putting on Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees for not getting the Super Bowl? Now I do I would say that yes, games that they have lost in fashion, most of them has been to because of defense. Um but the same thing for the Packers, uh back when Rodgers and McCarthy. So how how much are we putting on them? Are we letting them off the hook? Oh, are we? Are we? Are we uh, not? Crit- are we? What are we doing? Because I know a lot of people want to say that Sean Payton is the top five. This and Drew Brees the top five. This, but when I, when we say Aaron Rodgers, they want to they want to complain about oh he ain't going to the Super Bowl. So what what going through your head right now? I mean, well, they're they're top five. Drew Brees is in that top seven, top five all time. But I still think. Aaron Rodgers is a better QB career-wise because he's actually been a multiple-time MVP and stuff like that. So uh, it kind of depends what you what you gauge it at career-wise. I mean, I know Breeze is getting all these longevity awards now, so he's kind of like the trendy. He's definitely top five, top whatever guy. But uh, doing it right now, Sean Payton's a top five coach right there in that Belichick, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, you know, Andy Reid. Um, I don't want to leave out hardball. Like just he's in that he's in that realm of coaches. But as far as like just their playoff success, uh, they've underachieved to a certain degree because a couple of years they have been favored to win certain games. And but at the same time, it's like guys got to make plays too. So Drew Brees, the turnovers, the clock mismanagement. That's really why you lost. And then your own DB took out Lattimore. Next play, there's a you know, there's a big, there's another big play, so that kind of cost you the game. You have, I mean, the Dicks play that was just ridiculous. You just push him out of bounds, the game is over. You're trying to undercut him. That was ridiculous. So, just when you look at the context of all situations, they've kind of underachieved because they, they they should at least made one more just based upon like things that happened. They lost their composure in the Rams game. They were so upset about the call. So they probably should have made one more, but at the same time, there's no guarantee if they won any of those games that they lost, they would win the next game. So right. it's just it's just kind of like, hey, the results are what they are. You got one. For a city like New Orleans, that one is enough. I mean, I know they want to make it. Everybody wants to make it every year. That's always the goal. I mean, you got 32 NFL teams. I'm pretty sure everybody writes on the board win the Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, how many teams is it really a realistic goal for? Maybe seven, and then at seven. some point, that's gonna probably go down to four or five due to injuries and attrition, or uh, just a defensive player go. You know, defense isn't as good as expected. Just things like that. So by the end of the season, only really four teams, maybe five, have a legit chance of winning it. Uh, Saints have been in that room the last few years, but I can't knock them for it because they lost games that they could have won. And but there's still no guarantee that if they won those games, they would have beat the opponent after. Yeah, uh, I, I just think, man, I just don't, I don't, I don't think we can like give them passes because, you know, we we talk we talk about the Rodgers and the Big Bens of the world and about you know how oh Big Ben ain't go to the Super Bowl with AB and, uh, and Le'Veon Bell and uh, you know all this other stuff. It just, it just you just you just hear you hear different things and and but yet but yet we're supposed to believe that Drew Brees is the top five quarterback. But he can't, you know. He, he to, in this game, it was his fault. Like you mentioned, the you mentioned the he throwing a deep ball to Ted Ginn with two guys on him. Like 
that's 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 to me that's that's a Josh Allen move, like what he did in the uh, in the game against the Texans when he he's doing double coverage to a fullback. Like those are not those are not smart plays to me. And you know, Daniel Hunter made a great play on Drew Brees, so I, you know I, I'm not gonna I can't really I, obviously it's a bad you know bad um, turnover, but I mean Daniel Hunter Daniel Hunter is somebody I've been advocating for for defense play of the year, but you know he hit the ball out of his hand, so you can't really you can't really get mad at that too much, but. Yeah, you talk about Sean Payton, and you know, I know we don't really see that many. You don't really see that many bad things from you know top five coaches. You don't see Bill Belichick make these mistakes. You don't see Mike Tomlin make these mistakes. You don't see John Harbaugh, Andy Reid. We we did see Pete Carroll make a mistake when they try to throw the ball against the Super Bowl, but you know, you don't see those mistakes too much. And you know, he their mistakes in this game was costly. And I know they, like I said, you don't want to put the narrative that it was pass interference. But you lost the game on that bomb that Kirk Cousins threw to Allen Thielen. Like it was already, it put you on on a one yard line. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you get say, oh, it passes fairness again because no, I'm sorry. Like you had a chance to win the game. Uh, all Vikings fans knew once we put the ball back to the Saints. Oh, that was pretty much it, you know, because they Drew Brees going he go all of a sudden wake up and go score a touchdown. So we all we all knew that Bridge was gonna come down until the hit him in that place. So. You know, and that you know, Dalvin Cook thing gladly that was his knee was down because that would have been a miracle for them. So it's kind of like it, it. It we talk about all the plays that changed the game, and you know, I just I'm just not going to let. I I know I can't let them get a pass for this because you're supposed to win this game. You were the huge favorite on the weekend. Um, you know, Minnesota this year. You know, the the, the norm is, or the narrative is we have we we don't play good comp. We don't win those games, and. You was you was you was the team that was got upset. Like I know a lot of people picked the tech Titans to beat the Patriots, and that was very trendy. I mean, because we, we we talked about it before about how, and I thought Ted Hill make more of a, made more of an impact, but it didn't. But we talked about Titans already. Nobody expected Minnesota to win this game, and you blew it. So I I, I just can't give you a pass for that. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff happened in the game that could have went either way. So I mean, it's just a, it's just a tough ill, you know. They can't control Lutz missing that field goal. Just just little small things that change games here and there, you know. So, um, yeah, everybody always, yeah, you know, stuff like that changes how games get called, the games get played because points here and there put pressure on different teams for different reasons. So, you, know, you really just can't. I mean, we always judge results, but I just look at like what happened during the course of the game. It was it was played pretty evenly, outside of Breeze's. Uh, Breeze's turnovers in those key crucial moments, that really what flipped the game. And if it wasn't just for a Dalvin Cook need that going down, that's a that's a swing the other way for the Saints. So it's just little small things like just a game of inches and just play calling, situational management, what kind of can alter the outcome of games. That's really all happened to the Saints. Sean Payton, Drew Breeze, two mismanaged, two times they mismanaged the clock and two times Breeze turned it over. And those were all key situations, especially at the end of the fourth quarter. You would have had another 30, 35 seconds to even make a drive if you would have called a timeout, but they chose to let it bleed off. So just the small things like that that seem okay in, in that moment, but when you really get down to it, it flips the game. Now, do you same thing we talked about with Brady. Like, do you think that the Saints need to move on for Drew Brees as well? He's a free agent this year as well. You have Teddy Bridgewater. He's a free agent. You have Taysom Hill, who in that game was the X factor. And – why they didn't continue to run him to you know get him involved? I mean, I understand Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but Taylor Hill was, I mean, outside of Davin Cook, who was the best player on the field? Like, 
he was dominating it in all fashions, running, receiving, um, throwing the ball. He was doing everything. So Deshaun Payton needs to go ahead and go on from Drew Brees because, to me, I think even though Drew Brees, yes, he's got the long, uh, most touchdown passes, the most yards, all this crazy stats that, like you say, longevity, I think Tom Brady is better than Drew Brees right now. Like, just from a quarterback standpoint, throwing the ball, uh, moving the pocket and all that stuff, and Tom Brady's older. I think Drew Brees, he's never had the arm. That was never his – He the, the weak – okay, I would say his weakness, but the thing that he lacked the most was the arm strength versus everything else he was good at. And I, I just think I, – I think that it's time to move on from Drew Brees because I feel like the offense can't do what they want to do, and Sean Payton might as well go in a different direction because you can't call certain plays. So I'm, on, I'm still doing the same thing I, I am with Brady. Um, I think that Sean Payton needs to move on um, from uh, – I think Drew, I think they need to move on from Drew Brees and go in a different direction, keep Teddy, keep Taysom Hill, and run with that because, I mean, how many times are you going to win every year and then go, and, and lose in the playoffs? So I, that, that time coming to an end to me. I mean, the QB position is changing to less of the traditional, more of a mobile guy. But at the same time, Drew Brees is a god in New Orleans. He's not going anywhere. They'll, they'll bring him back. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard rumors that 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 Sean Payton is, you know, tired of running the kind of offense that they're running, and that's the only offense that Drew Brees can run right now. Because, like I said, he's accurate, but your, your yards per attempt, six seven yards. I mean, who should who who would be you know accurate in that, especially with Michael Thomas. So, um, I think I think they should move on, but. It's, it's going to be an interesting offseason for New Orleans because, like you said, running back. I mean, you ran back three years in a row, and all three times you had a tough L. So we'll see what we got going forward. Um, the last one, man, it kind of was a snooze fest once Carson Wentz got hurt. The Seattle Seahawks uh, prevailed seventeen to nine over the Eagles. Um, really, really, the only thing we can take away from this game was the fact that Carson Wentz got injured. And the question I've been hearing the most all day was, is Carson Wentz injured prone, injury prone? Is there such thing as an injury prone player? Is that a real thing? Um, or, you know, or is this thing mostly unlucky or happened happen at the wrong time? Um, your your thoughts on it? Because, I, like I said, it was a crazy play. Kalani didn't mean that. I, I, don't, I don't think it was dirty. Hit him and he was out, out the rest of the game. Um, I don't think he's injury prone. But what you got? No, it's just a bad situation. I mean, he's scrambling. Clowney hits him. I mean, the guy can't control somebody hitting him and getting a concussion. Right. Pretty much, that's not that's not injury prone. It's accident. Yeah, and you talk about like ACL a couple years ago. Uh, I think with the back last year. I I just I just think is it really injury prone? No, because to me, injury prone would be you tell your ACL come back. Tear the same ACL, then now you got chronic knee problems. Like that would be injury prone to me. Uh, but tearing ACL, which very rarely happens, um, getting a concussion, which I would say rarely happens for quarterbacks. It just, it, you know, just what it is. And I don't. To me, to me, I still pick Seattle regardless um, if he was there or not. And that was just because of the, you know, the injuries were too, too, too much to overcome in my opinion. But um, Still, you you gotta you gotta think a what if season. Like, what if Carson Wentz didn't get hurt last year and they made the playoffs? What would happen? 
Uh, what if he 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 was healthy this year, didn't get knocked out of the game, and they was able to win and go and go play Green Bay, a team they already beat before? So it's kind of like it's kind of like man, they they have they have a lot of what if questions, and you know, kind of being the underdog when you have practice squad players. I mean, Doug Peterson had coached a hell of a game. I feel like without Wentz, without Alshon, without Deshaun, without Aguilar, without your your right side of your line, Eagles were fine. Like. And so if they had all their stars back, they would have beat Seattle easily. But, you know, it's something we'll never know. No, they did the best they could with McCown. There's no guarantee if Wentz stays in the game to even win the game. So right. it, it is what it is. Staddy got hurt, missed his first playoff start. But it is what it is. Seattle's moving on. So with with, uh, with the Eagles coming back, if they can come back healthy, uh, how confident are you that they're back in this spot again, whether it's wild card as a division winner or you know, or or the road team? Do you, do you feel like they can be right back here again, or you think that you know, get, getting here was probably the last thing? Like not last thing, but you know, but like you know, it might run into something next next year. The health comes back. They got a first place schedule. They'll, they'll play. They'll play San Fran. They'll play Green Bay. They'll play New Orleans. Like, what you think about the Eagles going for, uh, for next season? No, they should be fine going forward. They have a QB, make a few roster changes. You know, get your – you got Miles Sanders. You get, your, you get your good receiving core, get them healthy, make a few changes to the defense. You'll be fine. I mean, they're, they're going to win nine games regardless. So, a swing or two here or there, you're at 10 wins and still competing with the Cowboys for the division. So, they should be fine going forward. Um, Before we get out of here, next uh, – this Thursday coming up, we will go over the divisional round. Um, that would be very interesting to see because you you have I mean I still think gonna be another good another good weekend of football and division division round that's that's really the most exciting of all the rounds and wild card was like that I feel like division is gonna live up to the hype as well. Uh, it should good matchups. Uh, you got some intriguing QB matchups like that Mahomes Watts thing like that's like the. That's a, that's a Chicago Bear Bowl because they both could have had him instead of Mitchell Trubisky. So it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be some interesting matchups. Yeah, yeah that'd be a good one. Um, before we get out of here, um, so the Cowboys got their guy, the Ron Rivera, to the Redskins. Who do you think is the next the next uh, job that you know to be uh to be booked? Because you have Panthers have a lot of meetings uh, set up. The Browns they don't know what they want to do for a coaching search, but they they've been interviewing everybody. And who was the uh, – is that it? That's the last two jobs, right? Yeah, just Giants, Panthers, and uh, oh, Browns Giants, for the right. most part. Giants. Forgot, forgot about Giants, but, yeah. So, who do you think, who do you think is going to be the next coach? Or next next team to, to get their coach? Uh, probably, probably the Giants just because I don't think Carolina or the Browns have a direction they want to go in just yet. Like, the Browns are still trying to interview Stefanski and he's in the playoffs. So, I don't think they – and then, of course, you really can't hire a guy while they in the playoffs. So, if the Browns or Panthers were interested in a guy like that, they have to wait for a while. So, probably the Giants, I think they're kind of starting to close in on what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I think the Browns also waiting on um, was Robert Salah, Salah, I can't say his name, for the 49ers defense coordinator. I know Greg Rome. Greg Rome was getting looks as well. He's still in the playoffs. Um, it, it's 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 kind of crazy because I we we uh, Carolina won an offensive guy. We know that Giants should want a defensive guy because they went two offers the last time and it didn't work. Um, and Browns, <laughs> I I don't know what they want to do, but I don't know, man. I I, I feel like we, we maybe stagnant for a while. 
I think that was two big names that came off the board, Rivera and McCarthy. That's two strong culture guys who come in there and they can make an impact for their teams. I think these next three, these three coaches are going to be young guys and, um, you know, it may or may not be the right fit, but I don't know. It just I, – I feel like whoever they, whoever they get, I'm not going to be happy with. And, you know, whether that's a just, you know, my opinion or what I'm seeing from with their roster and why they took the job – I don't think I'll be happy with the decision. I think they may they may be back on the coaching search again soon. Except McDaniels. No. Maybe maybe not McDaniels, but Yeah, a lot of times it, it it just helps to be the, the first mover. So you can always get the candidate you want versus getting scraps, getting leftovers. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks for everybody for joining us. Preach care, preach with Rashad. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, man, to uh, go over the division around. Um, stay tuned, man. 2020 year of growth. We out.